These are good days. Thank you for joining us online. If you could see, you all look great today. Holy cow. Some of you men are dressed up like I've never seen you. You let your wife or your mama dress you up, didn't you? Good for you. We speak, we, we worshiped in Swahili this morning. These are good days. April, the giraffe had her baby. <laughs> but they're about to get better. And let me tell you why. Many of us are stuck in cycles that God doesn't want us stuck in. And some of them are good cycles and some of them are bad cycles, but God's got something more for us. And that's what the resurrection is all about. One of my favorite um, memories or renditions of the, of the resurrection comes in the Gospel of John. We read, we began reading that, that account. Um, Chris and Emily began reading that account. And, 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 and just after that, you know, the disciples come to the empty tomb. And they search around and there's nothing there. So like men, they said, well, nothing, nothing for me to do here. I'm going home. And so they just went home. But Mary was brokenhearted. And she just stood there crying. And Jesus showed up. And he said, woman, why are you weeping? He said, she said, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And supposing him to be the gardener. Now, I don't know whether she was crying so hard she couldn't see him or, or, or he had a little bit different form. I don't know. But she asked him, if you've got him, just give him to me. At this point, I'd just be satisfied with a dead body. That would be enough for me. And he looked at her and said, Mary. She had heard him say that so many times before that she recognized his voice. And she said, Rabboni. And she ran to him and just started, didn't just hug him. She holding on. And then he says something that's just almost cruel. It says in John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my, I go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father and my God and your God. Now, why would he do that? Isn't that little, just a little hard-hearted, don't cling to me. No, he did it because he knew it wasn't just a hug. Mary was saying inside, oh good, I've got you back. Now we can go back to the old days. Good, you're here. Now things can be as they once were. Good, now the world will at least be familiar. And the reason he said stop it was because he wanted her to realize you can't go back. You can't have what you used to have. The world will never be the same again. You've got to go on. That's what faith is, going on. Somebody's got to say, stop. Stop clinging and hoping for the past. Stop hoping that return is all you've got. See, we've... We got stuck in a cycle, and it's a cycle of familiarity because we're not courageous enough to go on to the next thing. It makes us uncomfortable. 
I was in a conversation this week. Somebody gathered about 15 of the leaders of the city together and, and, uh, and uh, a group of uh, um, scholars from, um, um, oh, I just lost it, this, the V School in, uh, in uh, Tennessee. Vanderbilt, thank you. <laughs> uh, Vanderbilt came down. And they were holding a few discussions around the nation in different cities about how people who have different opinions and, and, and see things differently can actually have a hold of conversation together. And so we were together and, and, uh, and, and, and we were talking about different perspectives. And, and one of the people in the group, and I, haven't, I didn't ask her if I could use this, so I won't use her name. But she is the head of a medical um, educational um, um, university here in town and uh, medical school. And uh, she was trained at Harvard, brilliant woman. And she taught at Vanderbilt. So that's why she was in this conversation. She said, let me tell you experience uh, I had that kind of told me I needed perspectives other than the one I had. She said, when I was in medical school, for a short time, I dated a Jewish person. And, uh, and so we decided that, that every other week we would go to each other's worship services, you know, and I'd go to the synagogue with him and he would come to my church with me. She said, now in the background, I'm wondering, because I'm a very, uh, um, um, you know, interested person, why Jewish people many times are overrepresented in, 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 in terms of leadership. I mean, they, they, they really are overachievers, in the heads of corporations, in scholarship, and, you know, just why as a culture uh, they are so um, intent on, on doing well. So here's what I heard when I went to the synagogue. I said the rabbi would get up and, and, and basically the message over and over again was, look, you're, you're God's people. You're the chosen people. We're not too sure about this whole afterlife thing, but we know we got one shot at this. And we know that you were sent, we were sent to make a difference in this world. And so let's go make a difference in this world. She said, and then we'd go to my church. And this is basically what I was hearing every week. You're a bunch of sinners. You can't help it. You know, you're just sinners. So the good news is you're forgiven. But the bad news is you're going to go out and sin again because you're a bunch of sinners. But then you can come back and get forgiven again, and then you go out and sin again, and you're just a bunch of sinners. But here's the good news. When you die, you'll go to heaven. She's thinking, wait a minute. There's got to be something more than that. There's got to be something better than that. And indeed, there is. Most of us are stuck in the cycle of the pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection life where we just make mistakes and we try to make up for it. And so we live in this world that seems to have hope, but then dashes it with disappointment. Let me ask you a question. Do you, is there anybody in your life that, that, that often gives you a compliment and an insult in the same sentence? You ever known people like that? They can just get, they can, you, it looks like a compliment and then whammo, there's an insult right at the end of it. You know, like the woman who dresses up to go to work or just decides she wants to dress up and go to work and walks in and another woman says, man, you look so gorgeous, I almost didn't know who you were. <laughs> Have you ever said, you know, said something 
you know, pretty smart and said, man, that was, that really sounded intelligent. Who did you hear it from? (laughs) I got people like that in my life, but I got to tell you, the church is kind of like that. I mean, we, we give people hope and then we beat them up. You know, Christ has died and paid for your sins on the cross. Yay. It's your sin that nailed him there. Oh, (laughs) now it's true, but I got to tell you, we got to go on to something better than that. And that's what Easter's about. It's about resurrection. It's not about staying in that same cycle of failure and repair. God's got so much more for you than a repair of what you broke. God's got a whole new life for all of us if we have the courage and the faith to step into it. See, somebody once said that a mile of road will help you travel a mile. It'll help you go a mile. But a mile of runway will help you go anywhere. Resurrection is a runway. God has something for us, a life for us that is far beyond what any of us have accessed so far. But first, we've got to keep from going back to trying to fix our old life or trying to regain what we used to have. Stop clinging to that. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, do not call to mind the former things. Don't keep thinking about those things. Or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? This is the Lord speaking to you. I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Somebody once said, the resurrection gave us so much more than the fall took away. The resurrection gave us so much more than the fall took away. Here's what we need to understand. Some of us have pretty good lives. Some of us have pretty bad lives. Most of us have pretty good, pretty bad, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty bad lives. But I got to tell you, I don't know many of us that walk in the power of the resurrection that is available for us. I just don't know many of us that do that. You know, caterpillars are wonderful creatures. And, and, and some of them are ugly and some of them are beautiful. But none of them have yet received the life that was intended when they were made. There's a whole different life when they go into that cocoon, probably none of them want to do that. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of used to what I got. Thank you very much. I mean, it may hurt a little bit, but at least I know what it is. There's so many people who will go back to even painful situations because at least it's familiar. At least they know what it is. Rather than exercising the faith 
of dying to the old life so that they can have, even before they can know what it feels like, the new life that God has for them. That's what the, resur- that's what the resurrection is about. The resurrection isn't about just going to a place where there's a lot of people that talk religious talk. Now, we like that. I love church. Come on. I love church. And there are things that you get in church you can't get anywhere else. I love it. Hope you keep coming. But the resurrection is about your life as it is. Your life where it is. See, we live in a secular world that's figured that out. Many of you order things on Amazon, you know? If you got shopping, it's it's Amazon. Now, some people still like to go to the store. My wife likes to go to the store. I like to go to the store with her. Not because I like to go to the store, because I like to be with my wife. So she does still. But we do a lot of Amazon. Do you know before there was Amazon, Amazon not new. Before there was Amazon, there was a couple of guys, Richard Sears and, and Alva Roebuck. You know those names? And they figured out years ago, decades ago, you know, if somebody really wants to buy something, they shouldn't have to go to the mercantile. We could put stuff in a catalog. And so the Sears and Roebuck catalog went to millions of homes. All Amazon is is a highly technical, upgraded Sears and Roebuck Roebuck catalog. The point is the resources are available where you are, when you need them. That's the point. That's the same point of the resurrection. And here's here's, here's what it takes to go there. It takes faith. It takes believing that even though you don't know exactly what this new life is going to be, you're willing to trust God for it. And you're willing to put in the effort to go there with God. You're willing to believe that God has a future for you that's way better than what you got right now. Because he promised it, you know. This is what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know many of you read this verse and recite it to yourself often. Here it says, this is a word from the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He's talking about you. He's talking about y'all, all y'all. But he's talking personally. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe God? Do you want the resurrected life, not just the forgiveness of sins? That's the real question of Easter. That's the challenge that's posed to us. You know, if you read all of the heroes of the Bible, they were just ordinary people who just chose to believe God. And many of them come out of very comfortable lives. Noah was getting along just fine, thank you very much, when God told him to build a big old boat. And it must have seemed crazy nuts to him. It wasn't even raining. He didn't even live near water. And there he's out building this boat. Why? Because he trusted God. And he knew that God had something for him that he had never had before. Abram was the same way. Abram was rich. Rich. His daddy was rich. And his mama's good looking. And the Bible says 
that he left his father's house for a land that he didn't know. He didn't even know where he was going. He left what was familiar and what was good in that case because he trusted God. Moses left Egypt. Now watch. We just celebrated Passover. When the the angel of death passed over because of the blood of the lamb sprinkled on the doorposts, death passes over. Moses leads a whole bunch of people out of a miserable life. Some of them are saying, let's go back. At least we knew what we had back there. But others are saying, no, we're going to go into the desert. And Moses led them into the desert. Did he know where he was going? No, he spent 40 years in that stinking desert. That's not all that big a desert. But he trusted God. He trusted God. Deborah belonged to a completely patriarchal society. Men did everything. What do you think she felt when God called her to be a judge? When God called her to be a warrior? She trusted God. Esther, beautiful little Jewish girl, married a king. Baby, it doesn't get much better now. But she didn't tell him she was Jewish. Until there was a plot in the palace to kill all the Jews. And then she knew what she had to do. She knew she was made for such a time as this. And she knew if I die, I die. But I got to do what I got to do. And she went into the king unsummoned. And she told him who she was. And she told him about the Jewish people. She saved all her people. How could she do that? She trusted God. She trusted God. Peter. You know, when Peter started following Jesus, he's just a fisherman. He didn't even do anything out of the ordinary. People did this all the time. Rabbi would come along, a teacher, and, and people just get up and follow him. Just, they were his disciples. People did this all the time. But one day, when Jesus said, Peter, who do you say that I am? It dawned on him who he was. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he knew his life would never be the same. He trusted God. Paul raised a Pharisee of Pharisees. All he knew was the Jewish culture. God called him out of that to be a missionary for Jesus Christ to Gentiles. He knew anything about Gentiles, but he knew something about God. Here's the question. Are you willing to have a new life, a resurrected life, to get out of the cycle of failure and repair and have something better that God has for you? If you are, I've got some good news for you. God won't just tell you how to get there. I, I remembered when I was doing this, uh, an event in my college years. It was, I had just come to fully to Christ. And, uh, and I, I just wanted to love God. I wanted to please him. I wanted to do what he needed me to do. And, and, uh, and, but yet, uh, you know, when you, when you first come to Christ, all the old patterns are still there. It takes a long time for those patterns. So I, I had a fierce temper. Man, I had a hair trigger anger deal, you know. 
I just come to Christ. Somebody got on my last nerve, and I lit into them. Oh my goodness. And they just went away hurt. And then the Holy Spirit, you know how He is, just starts convicting me and says, You need to go apologize. Well, it was on a Friday when that happened, and, and this guy, I, I did my undergraduate work at a high university in Athens, and he lived in Lancaster, or as the, as the Appalachian people, Lancaster, um, uh, this town up the road a bit. And, uh, and I said to the Lord, well, I will. I just, you know, let him come back from the weekend. I'll apologize to him. The Lord said in my heart, no, now. So I climbed in Henrietta. Henrietta is my first car. Oh, 1956 Pontiac. Cost me $75. It was, this, this old car was so rusted out that it was held together by Valvoline stickers. <laughs> it's true. When I went over 30 miles an hour, the car whistled. It was just like awesome. It was one of these old, you know, gear shift on the column, three on the column. It was a sweet ride. <laughs> sweet ride. So I, you know, I get climbing Henrietta and we're going up and and I don't, know, I don't know where he lives, but I got an address. So I think I'll pull in a gas station and ask somebody for, for directions. And, and you know, in the back of my mind, I didn't want to do this. I was looking for a loophole. You know, when you're, when you're just looking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. You're looking for any sign from God. You know, it's kind of like W.C. Fields, you know, at the end of his life, somebody walked in and he's reading the Bible. And, and they said, W.C., what are you doing? He said, looking for loopholes. Well, I'm thinking, okay, the directions you get from, from gas station people are usually, you know, nasal and, and rapid fire. And you go down here three blocks and then you hang right and you'll see a horse and you turn left and you go down the back alley and you turn around three times and it's the five, 15th house on your left. And then at the end of it, they'll say, you got that? <laughs> if you're a man, you go, Sure. Which is always, you know, fine until they say, good, repeat it. Then, so anyhow, I, you know, this guy, this is the old, time, this is the old days when, when you didn't have self-serve. You had a guy came out with a shirt on, washed your windshield, checked your oil, you know. So he got done with all that. And I said, thinking, okay, this is my out because he's going to give me directions I don't even understand. And, 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 and if I don't understand these directions, I'm just going to take it from a sign from God. I don't have to do this. So I just stuck that piece of paper. I said, do you know where this is? The guy got a big old grin on his face. He said, that's right next to my house. He said, and it's almost noon. I need to go home for lunch. I'll take you there. (laughs) And before he had there out of his mouth, he was in my front seat sitting right beside me. Here's the good news about God. He's got a life for you. He won't just give you directions. He'll take you there. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the forgiveness of the cross. It is the greatest gift. We love it that we know that if we accept the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross, abolishing our punishment and abolishing the power of sin in our life, 
that we will live in heaven with you forever. That is an inestimable gift. And we, all of us, who, who want that, we pray, Lord God, we do trust Christ for our salvation. We claim that. But we want more than just forgiveness. We want the life you had in mind for us when you knit us together in your mother's womb and when you came out of the tomb. We don't want just heaven when we die. We want the resurrected life here in this world. So lead us, Lord God. Lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a series on the road. We'll teach you how to walk in the resurrection. Come on back.